morning. Thank you. Uh, let's let's give him another round of applause. Uh, not not too often do I not sing along with songs, but today I just listened, and I think uh, we may not even need a message today because I think that was the message. So thank you for that. Um, let's go ahead and dismiss the children uh, for Children's Church. And uh, turn to your person, to your right or left or in front of you, and just say good morning. And let's have a time of fellowship for a minute. All right, let me start off with the connection card. So one of these are in your program, or if they're not, they're on the back table. But uh, if you're visiting with us, we want to welcome you to Centerpoint of Kent Island. Uh, please fill it out so we can connect with you. But also, it's just not to connect with visitors. But if you flip it, there's an opportunity to kind of give us some comments about the service, give us some questions you may have, maybe about your walk with God, and share your prayer requests, for, which are pretty important. So fill that out, drop it in the offering bucket that will be at the end of service. Uh, my name is Marty Michalowski. I'm the executive director here at Ken Island, uh, and I'm bringing the message this morning. So... <laughs> You know, I always love it whenever I get up and bring a message and I get claps at the beginning and none at the end, so uh, we start off right. Um, so I do want to say, obviously, I don't sound really great this morning, uh, and, and you know, over the last couple weeks, I've definitely seen uh, Satan kind of being out there waiting to devour us and take, take advantage of our weaknesses, and a couple weeks ago, Brian was in a fender bender and was late to church. Last week, we were temporarily locked out of this building. We weren't, weren't sure we were going to have service in this building or somewhere else. <clears throat> and this week, starting on Monday night, I didn't feel good, and I knew I had to bring the message on Sunday. Um, so I think it's interesting that uh, things happen, and, and Satan's out there to try and really throw a wrench in, in the system, uh, throw a wrench in our lives, take advantage of us. And I want to talk about a pretty important subject today, money. Uh, and my, my daughter... I'm going to use her as an example in here. <clears throat> but she kept telling me on Tuesday, she's like, do you feel, you're sick? And I said, yeah, I'm kind of getting sick. And she's like, well, you can't preach. So on Wednesday, she'd say, are you sick? And I said, yeah, I'm kind of sick, but I'm getting over. And she goes, you can't preach. She even said last night, she's like, you can't preach because you're sick. So I want, to, I want to apologize if I do cough or I don't sound right, but I'm not sick this morning, okay? So just want to start off with that. <clears throat> So over the last few weeks, our Maximizing the Moments message uh, series has been covering a, a variety of things. Uh, talked about how we should use our time, how we should connect with the right people, and I'm not sure if anybody removed any of those Facebook uh, friends that you have, but Brian had talked about that. How we should love our spouse, that's both for men and women, uh, just not one-sided. And be the best parent you can and put Christ in the, in the lives of your, in your children. This week, I'm going to be talking about money, 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 money. Okay. Not, not, okay, thank you. Somebody, somebody uh, remembered the OJs there. <clears throat> so we're talking about really what's in your heart, not what's in your wallet. That's really what, what the message is going to focus on is, is what's right here. I'm going to discuss how we use our money as a means to do God's work and to, and to really worship him. And I think that those songs... Uh, really resonate um, a form of worship. Worship just isn't singing a song. Worship's about getting in Scripture, coming to church and having fellowship, singing. It's, a, it's in our actions and all those things. We're going to talk about that and how, how we can maximize our money 
to do that, to do the Lord's work. And so whenever I say about maximizing your money, what do you think I'm talking about? Giving, definitely. I, leading off of maybe giving to Centerpoint Kent Island. Obviously, that's what I'm talking about, right? How about serve and support others? Maybe that. Maybe put money in a savings account. Maybe buy some new furniture with your tax refund if you're getting one. <laughs> Maybe offering to buy me some furniture if you or tell me your secret, right? But maybe just maybe I don't mean any of those things. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm not talking about your savings account. I'm not talking about any of those things. So I think that we could agree that there's a significant amount of verses in the Bible about faith, about prayer, about heaven and hell. There's a significant amount of verses about money too and possessions and what we should do with them and what we shouldn't do with them. Obviously, because it's in Scripture, it's important to God. And it should be equally important to us. So today I have kind of four points to talk about with you. It's about obedience and how we should have obedient worship. It's about what's in our heart. I've talked about that a little bit already. It's about our actions. What do we do with money externally and outward to us? And it's about trust and how we should trust and use our money. So point one is obedience of worship. So in Genesis 4, uh, we talk about that. When it was the time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portion of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching out the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. So in this scripture, we're talking about two different offerings, right? One of a king and one of Abel. So Abel gave, us, gave his offering out of the obedience of God. He was called to give an offering, and he gave his first portion, his best. So it was the best that he had. Went out there and gave that to God. On the other hand, Cain only gave some of his crop. It clearly wasn't his best or first. He just went out and said, well, here's some grain, and, and that's what I got. It wasn't really sacrificial. There's nothing wrong with Cain's offering. It just wasn't his best, and it wasn't his first, like Abel's. So basically, he just checked the box. Cain said, well, I gave him an offering. That's good enough. Uh, have you ever done that? Anybody just go out there? I know I have. I've gone out there and said, well, I've got to pick up uh, a, a gift for somebody. So I'm just going to go as I'm going through the cash register sign and say, oh, I'm going to give him this $20 gift certificate to Applebee's. I took the easy way out. I didn't really do anything that truly cost me anything. It was a few dollars. Didn't even think about it. Didn't plan for it. Um, just said, well, I forgot that it's Jane's birthday tomorrow. Let me give him a gift card, and that's good enough. Now, I love gift cards, so don't get me wrong, because then I can get what I want. But the point B is on the other side, it, it, we need to think about what we're offering. Um, and that's something that Abel did. Cain really didn't. Cain just checked the box, said, I gave, it, gave God this, and that should be good enough. So while it was accepted, uh, acceptable to Cain to offer this, it wasn't acceptable for God. 
God requires, he wants, he desires our first and our best all the time. Now, sometimes that isn't the greatest out there, but it's still what we have in our heart and what we give is our first and our best. Therefore, God's, God, therefore, the offering of Abel's was accepted, but Cain's wasn't. So why was that? Because it wasn't the first and it wasn't the best. When Abel came to worship, it was by faith that he brought his best offering, the, the fat portions of his firstborn lambs. This was in contrast to what Cain offered, which was just some grain that he pulled out of the field and said, let's take off the top and give it to God, and that's good enough. <coughs> so the Lord looked favorably on Abel, but not necessarily on Cain. True worship, like I talked about already, is costly and sacrificial. It's something that should give us some pain, so to speak, um, and something that's really coming from our heart, and it's not something that we just take off the top and, and give it, give it uh, out. If we don't give our best at first, then sin is waiting to try and take control of us. And, and if you look at verse 7 there, um, that's what we're talking about. Sin can either dominate Cain or, or he has an opportunity at that time to resist it. So what did he do? There's, there's really no neutral ground. He couldn't say, well, I'm going to give an offering, but it's not my best, and that's not what God, God wanted, but I'm going to kind of fake it out and say, uh, here's something. The same applies to us today. Cain did not repent after God said, this is not your best offering. So what did Abel do? He let sin take over. He killed, uh, he killed Abel. Cain killed Abel out of jealousy, anger, pride. And in this situation, he let sin kind of get into his heart and overtake his, his entire being and, and ended up being a killer. Giving is a form of obedience. It's a form of worship like we talked about. It's a way to honor God. It's a way for us to sacrifice and give a sacrificial offering and the way to serve others and grow the kingdom. That's, that's what giving offering is. God knows what's in our heart, what our ultimate motives are. Don't think that you can do something and God doesn't know what you're doing. He knows. In fact, he probably knows before you do it. It's just we have free will and we have an opportunity to do it or not. So I'm going to talk about dishes as an example. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to talk about dis dishes, so hopefully you can, you can follow along here. But... You have, you have two types. Do you have two types of dishes in your, in your house? Anybody have like those special dishes? Anybody have not so special dishes? Um, so my mom, and this may, I'm from Pennsylvania, so my mom, uh, had, or we, I should say we have, uh, we have a china closet, or a china cabinet, I should say, um, that has these special dishes in there that go back to my grandfathers and grandparents, uh, brought over, I think, from Poland. Um, and so they're sitting there, they're pristine, they're, you know, I think there's some gold around the edges and stuff. But we only bring those out at Christmas time. I remember growing up, we only brought them out one time a year for one meal. We cleaned them, put them back there, and didn't touch them. We actually locked the china cabinet so the kids couldn't get in there, including myself. All the special things were in there. So for whenever I think about even today in my house, I have these special dishes that only break out for Thanksgiving and stuff. And other times we uh, use paper plates, frankly, because it's easy. Um, so what about in your life? Do you have those special times where you only bring out those dishes or those special sacrificial offerings for certain people and not others, not everybody? Maybe you're give, only bringing them out on Sunday. Uh, maybe another special occasion. So 
We have to make sure that we're only just not sitting here on Sunday and offering God one hour out of our week. So basically, Monday through Saturday, we're doing one thing in our heart and for ourselves. But on Sunday, we come in here and we're worshiping. We should be worshiping God all the time, 24-7, in one way or the other. So being obedient is always giving giving God our best. Point two (coughs) is to look inward. So Matthew, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 24, we talk about looking inward. Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp. That will provide light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Everything we own on earth is temporary. Would you agree with that? Amen. Yes, I finally got an amen. Got claps and an amen. I'm done. (laughs) And that's only point two. Just like the scripture says, those things can be destroyed. They can rust away. They can be stolen by someone. So a person can have wealth by owning tons of cars, maybe a big truck, maybe a big van or a big car, sports car, You can have houses, you can have these mansions, you can have millions upon millions of dollars in the bank, but when they die, they don't go with them. They add no value once you leave this earth. So our hearts must be full of what God desires and not our own desires, those physical possessions that basically rust away and and go away. So if you look at verse 24 again, it says that you cannot serve two masters. You cannot be, be full of money, and not of God, you can't say, well, I'm going to give God 20% this week. Um, it has to be completely 100% in your heart. You will end up hating one or the other. You'll end up loving money and probably not following what, what uh, God wants you to do versus if you love money or versus if you love God, then you can still do things and you can still maximize money for yourself and then also the kingdom of God. You can balance that and God will... Uh, enable you to do that. We must focus on building our worth on a more solid foundation like heaven. We should be thinking of what God values, like loving and serving others, and using money, and this is important, using money for for God's purposes as a tool. Money is a tool to do what God wants. Having a relationship with God and living for him promotes a healthy soul and leads to eternity. We talked a little bit about the eye, right? In Scripture, it talks about the eye. It fills your whole body with light, which is God's light, um, or it's unhealthy and it fills you with darkness. So if you don't have a healthy eye, what happens? You know, you can't really see. you got to wear glasses. Um, if you don't have two healthy eyes, that's even worse. Uh, but just think about that for a minute. Is, is your, are you having a healthy relationship with God today? Um, 
And if, you, if you're not, then there's an opportunity to kind of turn from your ways. And I'm going to talk about that on my last point. <clears throat> but don't let sin, don't let the desires of money take that away from you. Whatever you treasure, whatever you invest in, that's where your heart is too. That's what God really wants. He wants you to give your best and give your first. So where our treasure is gains possession of our hearts, our affection, our love time. If that's money, then money's going to take over your life. It's going to lead to some darkness eventually. Um, we buy things that wither away or go out of style. Like I said, I'm from Pennsylvania, and I remember growing up, and even whenever I go back there to visit now, there's tons of junkyards. I think every house up there has a junkyard. Uh, we had ju- a junkyard. Now, there's small, there's smaller and bigger ones, of course, but it seems like there's junkyards all over the place. Um, they're full of Cadillacs. They're full of Chevys. They're full of Fords. They're full of ATVs, tractors, trailers, um, snowmobiles, uh, I think there's a mobile home or two I've seen, you know, RVs, all these things that people spent thousands upon thousands and probably even millions of dollars on all this stuff, and it's just in a heap rusting away. And now it's discarded. No, nobody wants it anymore. They have it for 10 years, it's gone. They don't even have it for their lifetime. Um, so in the end, what are you going to invest in? You can invest in something that only lasts for a couple short years. You put it in a pile outside, it rusts away until you can get it to the junkyard or you can get the, the county to pick it up for you or whatever. Or you're going to invest in something that lasts eternity. It lasts beyond, from, beyond what, what you have here on earth. And so don't fall into an unhealthy situation. Again, I'm going to go back to the eye. Um, keep a healthy relationship with God. As believers, we need to inwardly identify what is of value to God and invest in that. And that's what God calls us to do. Point three is looking outward. So we talked about inward. Now I'm going to talk to you about looking outward. In Genesis 41, verses 47, 49, we're going to talk about that. Eventually, however, the famine spread throughout the land of Egypt as well. And when the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, Go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. So with severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened up the storehouses and distributed grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout the land of Egypt. And people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe throughout the world. So managing our money enables us to help people when they most need it. In this scripture, Joseph is preparing Egypt for the world's, or at the time, the world's greatest famine. He had taken 20% of that harvest grain that he pulled in from the fields, stored it for over seven years, knowing that there's an emergency coming. He was saving that up and managing that so that he could use it at some point. According to an article that I published, or that I found that was published in January by CNBC, regardless if you follow CNBC or not, Um, Only 40% of Americans have enough savings to cover an unexpected $1,000 expense. The article further stated almost 80% of unexpected expenses, like an emergency room visit, a roof, HVAC system, even your transmission in your car, cost more than that $1,000. So there's a whole bunch of things that cost more than $1,000, yet there's a whole lot of people that don't even have $1,000 saved up to take care of that. So take your pick. Stuff's going to happen. 
Um, I talked about the last three weeks of some things that were happening in, even in this church that impacted this church. Uh, but things are going to happen that we don't see coming, that we don't expect until we show up and it's there in our face and we don't know what to do with it. So this morning, are you one of these 40% that uh, have some savings put away? Or maybe you don't, maybe, maybe not. Depending on what type of emergency may happen, you may have some money in the bank, but is it enough to cover a roof or some other expected, unexpected uh, situation that happens maybe today whenever you leave, maybe next week, maybe next month? This example is just about our own financial situation. Um, <coughs> but what about an opportunity whenever I say about helping others? So I focused on what happens in our life, what happens in our house, our car. But what about whenever somebody calls on you to help them? Um, what do you do? So we need to put money away again to give to others. Let's go back a second to the scripture and talk about Egypt. Egypt survived a catastrophic events because of faithful saving. Joseph faithfully saved that 20% of grain because he knew something was going to happen at some point in the future. They became known, Egypt became known as a source of hope and support to, through the entire land. There's probably millions upon millions of people that were survived that famine because of Joseph putting that little bit of savings away. By being faithful and managing their abundance, Joseph was able to help and bless that entire nation with that grain that he saved up. By managing our money, just like Egypt, <clears throat> we can be in a better position to help others. It's not selfish to save, actually. It's not, it's not contrary to giving in any way. Um, so whenever I say saving, it kind of bleeds over into giving. If you put your money aside to take care of others, that's the right thing to do. <clears throat> it's something that God wants us to do and calls us to do in Scripture. If we're investing money in trying to better ourselves, so for example, if I'm going out and I'm buying this big fancy sports car that probably I don't need, um, or you're trying to be better than somebody else that has a car that's nice, but you want to be, you want to have something that's much better. That's being prideful. That's that's trying to put somebody else down. That's not what God wants. God doesn't want you to be selfish in that situation. He wants to, you to be uh, giving and offering and, and uh, helping others. So saving empowers giving. For example, if you have been given the opportunity to help somebody, but says, you know what? I don't get paid till tomorrow, I can't help you out. I know I've done that. That's come across my lips at times. Have you ever said that I'd love to help this person out, but I gotta pay a bill and, and don't have any money extra to help you out? Sorry about that. Catch me up next week if, if you still need something, if you're still here. Um, I know I've sort of said that, maybe not that back part, but, but I've been in a situation where I just didn't have enough to help out. I definitely wanted to, just I couldn't write that check at that time. So managing our money also enables us to leave an inheritance for future generations. This is something that Brian talked about last week about children, about how we should be investing to help out uh, our future generations or even help out others that can have uh, future generations. So we should be using our resources in love of others. God loves us. We need to love others and to serve those in need. For example, our church, through a lot of ministries we have here, helps people through our works in the community, helps people in the community. I mean, we've just finished up uh, going up to the refuge um, in Baltimore with the sock drive. Uh, we've done some other 
helping, we help foreign missions, we, we do a lot of things here uh, to help others. But we need to dial that down and think about how we help out in our own lives, uh, help others. So as a kid, do you remember earning, or if, if you're a kid in here today, do you uh, earn money through cutting grass, um, doing other chores? I know I've done that. Um, I would save up my money for a couple of things. I'd go out and, and want to buy my favorite toy, which at the time was G.I. Joe. Uh, maybe some sports cars or sports cards. Um, whenever I got older, I'd save up money so I could party on the weekend. Uh, try not to party too hard, but, um, but I did that. Uh, so I, you know, I was doing that. And now I kind of see my, I don't see myself actually in my children. Uh, my, my daughter, at least in this area, uh, but my, my daughter is relentless about saving. Um, she she uh, had asked uh, over the last year before Christmas, <coughs> she had asked for a long time, she was trying to do everything she could to get a few dollars here and there. So she'd ask, what can I do, what chores can I do, wash dishes, whatever. <coughs> she ended up saving more than $100 uh, right before Christmas, which was a pretty big deal. Her wallet, because we usually would give her ones, so her wallet was like this thick. It didn't even bend together. It made her proud. She's like, oh, I saved up all this money. Um, but what do you think she bought with that? You think she bought a new doll, new American girl or whatever? No. No, she actually didn't buy anything with her money herself, for herself. She actually wanted to get Christmas gifts for her mom, her dad, her brother, aunt, uncle, grandparents. That was what she wanted in her teachers. She said, I want to get all this money up. And I'm like, well, you know, you save $100, you can go to get a pretty good doll. She's like, no, I don't want any of that. I don't want anything for myself. I want to buy all these Christmas presents. So I, I'm thankful that her heart is full of the love for others. She spent more than half of that $100 on gifts for others, um, other than herself at Christmas time. And actually, she donates quite a bit of things. So whenever we have, like, American Red Cross or whatever that asks and, and we bag up a couple things to give, she always goes and bags up some of her things to donate as well. Um, so, I mean, she has a really a heart uh, for helping others. And I think that's something that we can learn from her today is how do we help others with our possessions and our money and how do we maximize that. So we need to manage our money to take care of yourself, obviously, but also look outward and help others in need as well. So my last point, which is probably the toughest to hear, because uh, I'm going to give it to you straight, is to repent and trust God. And in Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12, we talk about that. I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When, you, when did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating on me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouses so there will be enough food in my temple. 
If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from the insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So when we don't provide God your best offering like Abel did, we must repent. And that's something that Cain didn't do, going back to the beginning. Repent means to turn away from your old ways and to focus on God what's for you and wants you to do. He wants sincere, honest, and obedient worship from his people. Remember we talked about what worship was, it's just not singing songs, but he wants our heart. He wants our heart to be full of him and full of his love for others, and that includes our offerings. Our life is filled up with these earthly desires. I talked about those Cadillacs and Chevys and those big trucks and vans and ATVs and all those things. Uh, instead of God, but that has to change. And if, and if that's something you need to change today, then today's a good day to start. And remember, I talked about this, about Satan being out there. We had some scripture about um, Satan crouching at the door waiting. That's what Satan does. He looks for your weaknesses and he exploits them. He just, takes, he just needs a sliver of your heart, like gangrene, and it'll just grow. That sin will grow and take over and bring darkness to your soul. So just remember, he's out there always after you. He's trying to win you over. When you turn away from satisfying our flesh and make offerings to God, then God will bless you. Trust God to maximize your money in ways that you did not expect and bless you in ways that you can't imagine. Now, they're not going to be, they may not be exactly what you think. Like if you go to God and say, hey, if I hit this billion-dollar Powerball, I promise I'll give you some. That's what Cain did. That's exactly what Cain did. Just gave a little bit off the top, and, but God's not going to do that. I mean, he might. He may end up winning the Powerball, but that's not the prayer that you should be praying. Because somebody that gives $1 or a billion dollars is going to be blessed in the same way. So it's what's, what is your best and what is your first that you give God. That doesn't have to have a certain amount on it, Okay. Keep in mind that his timetable, which we always think whenever we go to prayer, whenever we go to pray, we always think that if we pray, it's going to happen immediately. Sometimes it happens immediately. Sometimes it happens a year from now. Sometimes it's not what you even want. I mean, I've given, you know, I've prayed plenty of times to do things uh, or help, you know, God to help me with. At the end of the day, it's something completely opposite to what I expect. But then I'm blessed by that too. So sometimes we can just uh, change our expectations. Um, what God's going to provide may not actually be comprehended by what we, what we think. So we want instant gratification in our lives. I mean, why do you think we have fast food restaurants? Because we don't want to cook and wait to do all that. With our money, it's no different. We want instant gratification. We make it and we want to spend it. We don't necessarily want to save it all the time. So if you go out to your favorite restaurant and you spend three to four times your normal McDonald's dinner, you want that expensive steak immediately. You want it cooked perfectly. You, you want it to taste great and be juicy and, and et cetera. 
when we buy our biggest, baddest truck, and, and maybe that's a van for some of you ladies, uh, you want to drive it off the lot and take it home today. You don't want to wait. You want it immediately. When we give the church, we may not see it immediately. It may take some time for you to see the blessings where your offering has been kind of pushed forward. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't invest into ministry, that you shouldn't invest into your church and, and into God's, growing God's kingdom here. Helping those in need in our community is important. And like I said, we do that here. Uh, many churches do that, but that's something that you can invest your money into, into ministries and helping others and supporting others. We need to be patient just like God's patient with us. Um, that's something that, that uh, I'm sure I don't know how he's not filled up with uh, or full of the patience that he gives. I know myself and, and probably many of you, but we need to be patient in the same way. When we give offering, we need to be patient on what comes back, if anything comes back. Maybe we're just blessed by just giving. Maybe sometimes it's smaller, bigger, different, longer, whatever, but again, be patient. You'll be rewarded one day. God will prove his faithfulness, but we need to prove our faithfulness to him as well. So we must renew our offerings with God and trust that he can maximize it for his work. We need to trust God with our money, period. That's, that's the end of the story. So here's your takeaway. <clears throat> Be obedient and trust God to maximize your money. Let's go ahead and have the band come up, and I'll run through the, my conclusion real fast. But our takeaway is to be obedient and trust God to maximize your money. That's in your lives, in ministry, uh, for his work. Remember, I said it's a toll. That's all money is, is a toll to do God's work. Going back to my first question, what do you think I mean by uh, whenever I say maximizing your money? Do you have a little bit of a different understanding now than maybe at the beginning? We need to first agree that giving is a form of obedience, a form of worship, honor, sacrifice, being faithful to serve others and grow the kingdom of God. That's what that money that we have in our offerings are. We need to look inward and what's in our heart. Do we freely offer our best and our first to God? Or do we just take some off the top like Cain did? And what happened to Cain? Sin overtook him. And he ended up killing his brother. God knows what's in your heart, what your motives are. You can't hide them. You can't go into a secluded room and do something. God sees everything. Um, he has like a giant NASA center where he knows exactly what you're doing all the time. It's no different than... than uh, uh, you know, with your money. He knows what your motives are. We need to trust God to truly maximize our offering and serve others. So here's my last line I have for you. Our life story, our ministry, the management of our money should show obedience to God and reflect our trust and faithfulness in him. Kristen, do you have the announcements? Do you want to do?